Hi, this is Inez, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday sermon. It is Sunday, November 27th, the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. My honor and privilege to be with you. I hope that you and yours had a wonderful Thanksgiving celebration. Tis the season. You know, every year we hear that phrase around this time of year because, well, it is the season. Most of the time we know what that season is. For instance, today is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so it's the season for shopping. A lady once said, I was browsing in a souvenir shop when the man next to me struck up a conversation. Just as he was telling me that his wife was getting carried away with her shopping, a brief power shortage caused the lights to flicker overhead. That, he sighed, must be her checking out now. Indeed. It was the day of the big sale, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. A long line of people formed in front of the store by 5 a.m., the store's opening time. A small man pushed his way to the front of the line, only to be pushed back in the midst of loud and colorful curses. On the man's second attempt, he was punched square in the jaw and knocked around a bit and then thrown to the back of the line again. As he got up the second time, he complained to the person at the end of the line, That does it. If they hit me one more time, I'm not opening the store. Sure sounds like the day after Thanksgiving, doesn't it? "'Twas the night before Black Friday, and I decided to go to my local Walmart to get something I know. Actually, that was so long ago, I don't even remember what it was that must have been so important. Anyhow, it was about 11 p.m., and I got the item I was looking for and decided then I'd walk through the store to see what was happening. The store associates were busy like little beavers getting their respective departments ready because 5 a.m. was coming soon, and with that, the crowd of people looking for those incredible, one-of-a-kind Black Friday deals. As I walked around, I saw some interesting but kind of funny things. All the super specials were on pallets, either in the middle of all the aisles or in specific departments like electronics. Each display was wrapped in black, and they were marked with large numbers. And there were even directional arrows that were taped to the floor and roped areas throughout the store to direct people once they came inside, because in a few hours... Those people were going to descend like vultures, hoping to score that deal. I thought, what in the world could be so important that a person would go through all of that? I mean, is that $29 DVD player really that important? Or what about that big screen TV or laptop computer? Tis the season to shop. Tis the season, indeed. Holiday shopping always starts with a grand day on Friday. Many billions of dollars are spent and it seems like it goes up every year. Now, I'm certainly not against shopping for Christmas or shopping any time of year, but we're blessed to have everything in America and have enough money to buy things, but some things can be overdone. And if anybody can overdo something, it will be the American people. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 19 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use the money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience 
true life. Tis the season to shop and spend money, but that's not all. Tis also the season for traveling, eating, indulging, drinking, partying, watching TV, watching football, and more. Tis the season. You know, as I was thinking more and more about that little phrase, tis the season, it dawned on me that there's also a season for sighing. That's right, sighing. Sighing is defined like this, to emit a long, deep, audible breath expressing sadness, relief, tiredness, or a similar feeling. So the more I thought about that definition, two words really jumped out from that definition, and they were sadness and relief. And I thought, you know, I've often experienced these emotions around this time of year. And so, you know, I'm going to talk about that today. That's the title of the sermon, Tis the Season to Sigh. And especially, I want us to look at the sigh of sadness and the sigh of relief. First, let's talk about the sigh of sadness. A few moments after the daughter announced her engagement, the father asked, does the boy have any money? The daughter shook her head sadly. Oh, daddy, you men are all alike. Sighing deeply, she replied, that's exactly what he asked me about you. That's the sigh of sadness, although there is far more sadness in this world than wondering whether your prospective son-in-law or prospective father-in-law has any money. Our text today is Job chapter 3, verses 23 to 25. So open up your Bible or Bible apps and follow along. Job 3, 23 through 25. This is what it says. Why is life given to those with no future, those God has surrounded with difficulty? I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Job was speaking to his three friends here, and he was extremely down over his lot in life at this particular time. He was overwhelmed. He just lost everything he owned, and all his children were dead, and now finally his own health was failing. All the principles by which he had lived were crumbling, and Job began to lose his perspective. It would be easy to be depressed about all that. In fact, most of us have probably never lost that much or lost things that quickly. We too might want to sigh or maybe die. I've always heard it said that probably 98% of what we worry about never comes true. But in Job's case, it did. He said, what I always feared has happened to me. Job's sigh was that of extreme sadness. Psalm 38 verses 8 through 10 read, I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails, and I'm going blind. Clearly, you can see David is very down right here. Everyone gets down. Life is tough. It's hard on us. We're not promised easy going. We may have some easy days, months, or even years, but it won't stay that way. It would be nice in life if we could have our cake and eat it too, but it doesn't always work out that way. Job chapter 14 verse 1 says, Man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. You know, I don't like that verse, but I know it's true. Job's words that man is of few days reminds me that my life is short compared with eternity. Yet when I'm suffering, my days seem endless. Then Job said that man is full of trouble. And Jesus confirmed that because in John 16:33 he said, In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. You know, being a Christian doesn't protect us from trouble. In fact, 
taking up our cross to follow Jesus may mean that life gets harder, not easier. Again, I don't like that, but I know it's true. It's like the man who was told, cheer up, things could be worse. He said, I tried, I cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. In 1988, Bobby McFerrin recorded the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Do y'all remember that? Let me read to you a couple of verses from that song. It says, here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. And then it comes along a little bit later and says, ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. And then a short time later, he says, ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile. Don't worry, be happy. Cause when you worry, your face will frown and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. You know, that song sounded really good at first to me when I first heard it back in 1988. Even now, it sounds kind of good, right? But it doesn't work. Just telling someone to be happy or cheer up doesn't cut it. Life is tough, beloved. Tis the season for sighing and sadness for many people. There's much to sigh about in this world. War, unrest, hatred, violence, greed, famine, starvation, neglect, indifference, loneliness, death, divorce, disease, destruction, and there's so much more. Every time we hear that more U.S. servicemen and women are killed, there's a sigh of sadness. Every time we hear of a school shooting, or any kind of a shooting for that matter, we heave a sigh of sadness. And every time we hear of innocent people dying, we heave a sigh of sadness. I recently read a story from a pastor who said that one early morning he was working in his church office. It was pitch black outside when suddenly he heard somebody yelling. He went to look and a young man had walked into the building. It was pouring down rain outside and he asked for a ride across town. The pastor said he saw a red flag immediately that went up in his spirit. Does he tell the young man to get out or does he give him a ride? So the pastor listened to his story. Apparently he had just been in a quarrel with his girlfriend and needed a ride to the house of a friend on the other side of town. The smell of alcohol was all over him. Somewhat reluctantly, the pastor decided to give the man a ride. As they rode together, the pastor said the young man began to tell his sad story. He said he had no job, very few friends, and no family anywhere. He was a felon and couldn't leave the state. No one wanted to hire him and no money, but he did have a cell phone. It kept ringing and the pastor said to the young man, if you don't have the money, how can you afford the cell phone? He said it was his girlfriend's phone. The young man said he was a Baptist and had given his life to Christ. Immediately, the pastor told him he needed to go back to church and get his life recommitted to Christ. That was the only way things were ever going to get better for him, he said. My friends, that young man's story and others could be multiplied a thousand times over in our city of New Braunfels and in yours as well. And often this is the time of year that many people sigh a whole lot more for various reasons. They're sick, they're alone, lonely, they've lost loved ones, they have little or nothing to live on, and the list goes on. 
The sigh of sadness overflows in America and in our world. It is heard coming from the rich to the poor, from the young to the old. It haunts our lives. Surely there is something better. Yes, there is, beloved. And I would call that the sigh of relief, part of that word that was in the definition we read earlier. A minister had a horse that he raised from a colt, but decided to sell him one day. In explaining how to handle the horse to the new owner, the pastor informed him that the horse did not respond to the usual giddy-up or woe for starting and stopping. Instead, he had trained him to go when he said hallelujah and to stop when he said amen. The new owner started home and came to the edge of a cliff. He remembered what the owner said, and he said amen, and the horse stopped just in the nick of time. About that time, he sighed a sigh of relief, but in his relief, he cried, hallelujah. You can guess what happened. Of course, a sigh of relief is far better than a sigh of sadness. It's a sigh that at last things are better, and this is over, that kind of thing. Isaiah 51:11 says, The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. These verses speak of joyous times when the sighing of sadness is over. The sighing of relief will replace the sighing of sadness. Here's one really vivid example. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Can you imagine for a minute that Jesus was breathing a sigh of relief at that moment? He was thinking, finally, this ordeal is over. Have you been there and done that? Been down that tough road? Had some tough trial or test or serious difficulty and couldn't wait for it to be over? One of the most difficult things I've ever experienced was when our son David was about seven years old and had to have an emergency appendectomy. He had been doubled over in pain for a while, and when we finally were able to get him to the doctor, we took him to Bethesda Naval Medical Center in Washington, D.C. Within minutes of him being seen by a doctor, we were told that he had to be taken into emergency surgery because the appendix had perforated and could burst at any time. That was a tough few hours for us. We wept and we prayed a lot. But finally, when it was over and found out he was going to be all right, we both breathed a huge sigh of relief. I'm sure you all have been through situations like that, too, when you could hardly wait for them to be over and come to a good conclusion. Friends, there's going to be a time when we will all breathe a sigh of relief. God will open the door, sight will be given, faith will be restored, and victory will be sure. But when? At certain times in our lives, we will experience victories in this life. We're promised that. There was a point when Satan left Jesus after tempting him strongly. This too will happen to us. There'll be times when we have fought long and hard. The devil will leave us alone and we'll breathe finally a sigh of relief. There's a greater day coming when we will breathe as never before and we'll let loose the biggest sigh of relief ever. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Beloved, we are promised that a day will come when all of our sorrows and sadness will cease. Recently, I came across a song that was performed by country singer Faith Hill. It's entitled, There Will Come a Day. I want to end today's sermon with a chance for us to listen to this song. For tis the season to heave a sigh of relief that a better day is coming. Take a listen. Yeah.
thanks again for being with me. It's always a joy to share with you. Have an amazing rest of your day and week, and I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church, real people, a real God, real hope.